All right, good morning, good morning. Merry Christmas. Doing good, you can say it back to me. Merry Christmas. <laughs> good to have all of you, love dedicating children. It makes me glad that mine are grown. I love that, I love celebrating others having small children. And I love the memories of having small children. I'm just glad mine are not small anymore. It's a good season of life. Any other empty nesters in the house today? Yeah, good. It's a good season of life. Raise your children. They go off and do good things for the Lord. And mom and I can do whatever we want. I feel the most selfish that I felt in a really long time. Because Pam and I were just talking about that. Like you've earned the right once your kids are gone to do whatever you want. And it kind of feels good. It's kind of fleshly. Not very godly, maybe. I don't know. Feels good, though. <laughs> all right. I'll stop right there. All right. <laughs> Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 1. We're also going to be in Luke chapter 7. Now, last Sunday, I have to tell you, last Sunday was one of the most significant, moving, emotional times that I've had as your pastor. It was such a beautiful sight last Sunday, Friday night and Sunday morning, where I watched hundreds of you come forward and give toward the debt reduction at New Life Church. Our goal is to be mortgage-free, to release the, the money that God has uh, given us, uh, entrusted to us, to spend that in the world, spend that in our city, to bless the people in the world and the city and not send it to the bank. And last Sunday was just a, a miracle, not necessarily in the amount that was given, but in the number of people that participated. And I just wanna tell you, I'm so very proud of you. It made me proud to be your pastor. All I've ever asked you to do with your giving is to pray and do what the Lord asks, just to obey whatever God asks you to do. So I wanna give you a report. If you remember, at the beginning of this year, we were $9.6 million in debt. We were $26 million in debt. 15 years ago, at the beginning of the year, we were $9.6 million in debt. As of this morning, let me give you an update. Roll that. Come on. Keep going. Yes. <laughs> it's been a long time. I've been waiting a long time for that debt to get under $4 million. So last Sunday, last weekend, we paid off about $1.3 million of debt last weekend. And I'm so grateful, so thankful. Thank you so much. Thank the Lord first. Can we just thank God for his blessing on our life that gives us the ability to do that. I thank him, I thank you. Listen, we, are, we can see the finish line now. We're, we, I'm telling you, this is the first time as a pastor, I've been on this journey with you every step of the way for the last 15 years. And I can tell you, we're in the last lap. I can see the finish line and it's going to release a huge burden off of all of us to be debt free. So thank you so much. I can see it happening very, very soon. Like I'm, I, I will stand here very, very soon and say to you, we're mortgage free. I believe that. You, you believe that with me? Amen. Uh, also, I, I wanna remind you, and not, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday, believe it or not, is Christmas Eve. It's here already, in two weeks, less than two weeks. So Christmas Eve here at New Life North will be at 2 p.m., 4 p.m., and 6 p.m. And if you are out of town, 
All three of the services will be streamed live on, on our streaming devices, YouTube, or on our newlifechurch.org. So if you're in town or not in town, be a part of Christmas Eve. On your, on your row there are invitation cards. Listen, your chiropractor, your doctor, your waitress, uh, don't leave this as a tip. Put a $20 bill and leave it as a tip, okay? Or even a $100 bill or whatever. But invite people in your neighborhood, invite your friends and family. We're going to double the number of seats in the room. We'll, it'll be as full as we can possibly make it. Let me give you a little, if you're new to church, the 2 p.m. and the 4 p.m. will be standing room only. So if you get here at 2.05 or 4.05, you may have to be in the overflow. We'll have overflow open in the living, in the, in the theater. So don't complain to me, I'm telling you up front, okay? Get here 15 minutes early if you wanna sit in the room at 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. Or you can avoid all that hassle altogether and come at six because it won't be standing room only. That's the best one to come to if you don't like the big crowds, okay? But this is the second most attended service of the year besides Easter Sunday. So get here early, dress uh, red, whatever you wanna dress, red or green, I don't care. Broncos colors, I don't care. They're not playing well enough to be wear a jersey this year, but if you... <laughs> Once they score 50 points for the season, I might consider that, but <laughs> there, was a, there was a flag football game out in the parking lot and they were, that, that offense looked better than the one that I saw on TV. <laughs> All right, enough of that. <laughs> Let me ask you a couple of questions this morning. I've, I've been thinking about the season of Advent, the season of waiting and anticipating. Hey, I don't know about you, but waiting and anticipating sets you up for disappointment, doesn't it? When you are hoping for something, maybe you're hoping that your husband has caught the hint this year for what you really want for Christmas, only on Christmas morning to be disappointed again that he did not pick up on your tent. Even you wrote it down, you put it on the mirror, you all but said it out loud. I'm guilty of that. I wanna to talk to you today about being disappointed in Jesus. Is it possible that some of us this morning are carrying around with us a disappointment in how things have turned out, the way your life has measured up? Have you ever been mad at God? I'm raising my hand, because I wanna, I wanna confess before you, I've been angry at God before. Come on, raise your hand with me if it's okay. No, there will not be a lightning storm inside the room for confessing that. Have you ever been mad at God? Have you ever been disappointed that something did not work out the way you had hoped? Raise your hand, come on, raise your hand. It's okay to admit this, actually. It's actually very medicinal and therapeutic for you to say it out loud around everyone else. Did you notice almost every hand in the room was raised? This is a very common thing. We've been taught, you know, and it may be erroneously, that if you follow God, you're gonna be rich, skinny, and happy all the time. Right? That hasn't worked out for me. <laughs> the more I love Jesus, the more dad bod I get for whatever reason, right? Father figure, it's not a dad bod, it's a father figure. Here's a, here's a better way of asking the same question. Have you ever been so disappointed in the prayers that were not answered or in the prayers that were not answered that we failed to thank God for the ones he did answer? 
In other words, what are you focused on this morning? Are you disappointed and that didn't happen only to re- fail to remember how many times he did answer your prayers? Maybe he answered prayers you didn't even pray. Just unexpectedly bless you. How many of you have ever had an unexpected blessing? A blessing you didn't ask for that just kind of surprised you, right? I'm gonna share a story that, in, that incorporates all of these things today. So we're gonna read two passages of scripture. One in Luke chapter one, and the second in Luke chapter seven. And both are the stories of John the Baptist, okay? This is a Christmas message. Luke chapter one. In those days, verse 39, in those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. Now Mary is the mother of Jesus and she's pregnant at this point. She's carrying God in her belly, in her womb. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted her cousin, Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary, the greeting, the baby that was inside of Elizabeth, so Mary's pregnant and Elizabeth is pregnant. Mary is pregnant with Jesus. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. So two pregnant women in the same house, what could go wrong? <laughs> the, when, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, John the Baptist, baby John, leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit just for Jesus coming into their presence. Now this is, stop for a moment, people have asked me why do Christ followers care so much about babies in the womb? This is one of the many stories that tells us that life begins in the womb, that life begins at conception. And that's why we as Christ followers care deeply about what's going on in the wombs of women because we believe life happens at conception. And this is a beautiful reminder of that. So Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And that's Elizabeth saying that about Jesus who was in the womb of Mary. All right, now are you catching this, this, that before John the Baptist ever was born, is it true, let me just ask you a question, hypothetical question, before John the Baptist was ever born, he had been impacted and influenced by Jesus. Is that, can you, is that a safe assumption according to this story? That his presence, the presence of Jesus, and it affected John the Baptist. I mean, he flipped over in the womb and the mother starts speaking in tongues. I mean, I think that's a pretty epic encounter. Luke seven. Now between Luke chapter one and Luke chapter seven, a lot has happened, a lot. John the Baptist is out in the desert, clothed in leather and eating locusts and honey. He is, uh, has his own reality show on the Discovery Channel at this point. His Instagram feed is blowing up. John the Baptist is a big, big deal. Thousands are going out into the desert to hear this prophet. You know what they're saying about John the Baptist at this point? That he's a modern day Elijah. 
He's come to tell us about the coming of the Messiah. He is, maybe he is the one that we've been hoping for for the last 400 years. Maybe John the Baptist is the big deal. Well, in Luke chapter seven, he's in prison. He's been captured. He's in a dark, I've been, I've actually been to the jail cell where the, the kind of jail cell, nobody can really know if it's the jail cell, but I've been in the kind of jail cell that John was probably in. And I'm just telling you, it's not the Hilton. It's a little tiny square cinder block kind of place, dark, wet, cold, nasty, no plumbing, food. Uh, you had to have your relatives had to bring you food because the jailkeeper would not bring you food. So that's why uh, when Jesus said, take care of the prisoners, he was actually saying, go feed your in-laws that are in jail. That's what he was saying. So John the Baptist is in jail. He's not out in the Judean hillside as a rock star anymore. He's now been put in prison. And one day somebody comes to visit him. Listen to what he says, verse 18, Luke chapter seven. John's disciples told him about all the things that Jesus was doing. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord and listened to the question that John the Baptist asked these disciples to go and ask Jesus. He says, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Now let me ask you a question. This is John the Baptist asking Jesus if he was really the Messiah. Wait, John the Baptist, you grew up with Jesus. Y'all lived in the same town. You watched, you watched Jesus hit a home run every time. He never struck out. He healed your dog when it was sick. You, you leapt in your mother's womb when he walked in the room. If there was anybody on earth that should have not have needed any more evidence, it was John the Baptist. So why was John the Baptist, who knew Jesus well, why was he suddenly doubting that Jesus was the Messiah? Listen to this. John the Baptist, so they go back to Jesus. And they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? John the Baptist, by the way, was the one that baptized Jesus. Let me just back up here for a moment because this is a fascinating passage of scripture. John the Baptist is the one that took Jesus, put him under the water, fully, completely immersed him, brought him up out of the water, and the spirit rested upon Jesus like a dove. Not only that, if that were not enough, a voice from heaven that John the Baptist heard, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And they all went, whoa. Okay, this is the same John the Baptist who's now asking, should we be looking for another Messiah? How did he get so much doubt in his heart? How did he arrive at this place? John the Baptist is the one who said, 
He must become greater. I must become less. What a holy, pious moment that was. You know what I think? I think we all say that once in our lives. You know, God must be greater. I want God to get all the glory and I'll just become less. But most of us hope that that's a temporary thing. Maybe if I let God get all the glory, I get, I get so far. This is kind of a soapbox moment for me because I hate on social media. To God be all the glory, but look at what I'm doing. Well, if God gets all the glory, why don't you let someone else point out what you're doing? Why are you always pointing out what you're doing and then at the end say, but to God be all the glory? See, this is what was going on in John the Baptist. John the Baptist had gotten a taste of celebrity. And once you get bit by the celebrity bug, it's almost incurable. There is no cure for it usually. And what John the Baptist, he had felt the crowd's approval. And I, and I think he really did mean this when he said it, you know, God must become greater. I must become less. But he did not expect to go to jail over it. And he certainly didn't mean to lose his head. He didn't mean it that way. John the Baptist would never leave his jail cell after this. He would never be a big deal again. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming something. I bet John the Baptist, through the windows of his jail cell, probably heard the adoring crowds cheering for Jesus. The same crowds that used to cheer for him are now cheering for his cousin. And that's why he wants to know, hey, y'all used to call me Elijah. You know how Elijah, Elijah got the best send off in the history of the Bible, right? You know, how did Elijah, you know, if you don't know this story, it came time for Elijah to die, the old prophet, and the guys came down, sent angels down with a chariot. He gets in the chariot, goes, see you later, guys. See you in heaven. And he gets sent off into the, like a sky on a chariot ride. They had been calling John the Baptist Elijah. But John the Baptist was not going to get a chariot ride to heaven. He was, going to get, he was going to lose his head. And that's what was causing the frustrations. Listen, don't ever forget this. Frustrations are simply unmet expectations. You expected something, you didn't get it, and now you're frustrated. It's like the pizza being delivered. Like you can smell the pizza coming to your house. This happened recently, okay, this is first world problems, all right? So I, on my, on my app on my phone, they showed me a picture of a meat lover's pizza. And I, 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 I could literally smell the pepperoni off my phone. I, I don't know how they did it, but I could smell it. And they told me it would be at my house in 26 minutes. 46 minutes later, on a really cold day, I think he put it in his trunk as he delivered it. Because when it got to my house, it looked like it had been baked about three days ago. See, that's, that's unmet expectations. That's frustration, right? This is what's going on with John the Baptist. So listen, go now to verse 21. And let me show you what Jesus says back to him. He says, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, he gave sight to many who were blind. So when they came, these messengers showed up at Jesus and said, hey, John the Baptist really wants to know, are you, are you the Messiah or not? 
Listen to what he says. Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. And listen to what he says. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Now, that is a mixed match of Old Testament scriptures there. If they're all prophetic things about the coming Messiah. You know what? That's that mostly Isaiah 61, I think. You know what Jesus left off? He's, he left off the, the passage of scripture and those who are in prison will be set free. So when he reports back to John the Baptist, hey, John, I'm healing the sick, curing those who are sick, the deaf are hearing, those who are dead are being raised again. And what John the Baptist was hoping to hear, and those who are in prison will be set free. But Jesus did not include that passage of scripture. You know why? Because John the Baptist wasn't getting out of jail. John the Baptist was beheaded. Jesus was later crucified. Paul, Peter, and all the rest died as martyrs. What kind of kingdom is this? This is what Jesus is trying to help all of us in the room understand today. You may have your life mapped out, planned out to precision. You may have this grand idea of what God's going to do in your life. But have you left room that Jesus may have a plan and a purpose that is different from the one you're dreaming about? What if in front of you are hardships and suffering that you did not plan for? What if there's going to be some roadblocks along the way, even a detour, even a wreck? Here's what Jesus said in verse 23. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Now, what in the world? Leave that up for a moment. Look at that. How in the world? Let me ask you a question. This is a great, this is a great message, by the way, for me to hear. I need to preach it again at 11 o'clock. How is it possible for me to fall away from Jesus because of Jesus. I can understand if he would have said, blessed is the man who does not fall away at me on account of the enemy, of someone who wants to harm me, the devil, demons. That's not what he says. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of Jesus. So here's a question, all right? This is a sobering question today. Can we follow Jesus? He turns out to be different than we've imagined. What if he's not six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus all the time? <laughs> what if it's not a perpetual Disney experience? What if it's not rainbows, unicorns, and puppies and kittens all the time? What will happen if we were expecting a chariot ride to heaven, but we get prison instead? What happens when God asks us to do something that we don't want to do? What happens when good old fashioned 
conviction settles over our soul and we realize I need to go home and make some repairs. I've got to go home and do things different. Jesus is demanding something from me that I'm not willing to give up. That moment will come for every one of us. There is a story, a book written by Gene Edwards, and I highly recommend it. And the title of this very small book is called A Prisoner in a Third Cell, The Prisoner in the Third Cell. Gene Edwards wrote it. I love this quote that I'm about to read to you. He's talking about John the Baptist being in a jail cell. He says, but today, John the Baptist, the day you have met a God you do not understand. You've met a God you don't understand. Such is the mystery of my sovereignty. He says, such are my ways in every generation. No man has ever understood me, not fully, and no man ever will. I will always be something other than what men expect me to be. I will work out my will in ways that are different from what men foresee. And listen to this sobering, sobering benediction. He says, die my brother John in the presence of a God who did not live up to your expectations. That was the last thing that John must have been thinking about as the armed guard showed up. Remember, some teenage girl wanted his head. She requested his head. And that's the jail cell opens. There's no chariot waiting for him outside. There's only a cold death waiting for him outside his jail cell. And you can think what's the last thing going through his mind. I was faithful. I walked around the hillside proclaiming the coming Messiah. I got out of his way when the Messiah showed up and this is my reward? Die my brother John in the presence of a God you will not understand. Listen, God is not here on our terms. We follow God on his terms. It's way too many people are trying to negotiate with God to follow him on their terms. And that's not the way the kingdom of heaven works. The kingdom of heaven requires full faith and full obedience and sometimes supernatural sacrifice. And I wanna tell you a story. I've told this story several years ago. So if you've heard it before, just listen to it one more time, but it's been many, many years. When I was about 28 years old, I was not a pastor. I was actually in running an NBC affiliate. I was a manager, a man, helping manage an NBC television station in Amarillo, Texas. I was not in pastoral ministry. I'd burned out. I'd walked away from pastoral ministry. And so Pam and I were born and raised in Louisiana. I don't know if you know that. I'm not a Texan, so stop saying that about me. That's offensive. That's offensive to me. I'm from Louisiana. God bless Texas, but I'm not from there. I'm from Louisiana, the Bayou State. And we had moved, though, from Louisiana to far north Texas, to Amarillo. I love Amarillo, but the end of the earth is 20 miles outside of Amarillo, Texas. It just, just disappears. People die out there, okay? But we were in Amarillo, Texas. I was running an NBC television station while we were living there. 
Pam and I discovered that we could not have children, that we were both had uh, very significant medical problems, both of us did, and there was just really no biological way that Pam and I would ever have children, and we were heartbroken. Now, I'm 27, 28 years old. Uh, we wanted a family desperately. Every doctor that we could afford uh, uh, told us the same thing. Can't have children. There's nothing we can do for you. We tried surgery. We tried everything, okay? We could not have children. So we're at a, a very low point in our married life. And quite honestly, I'm, I'm missing home. I don't know if you've ever moved away from your family. A lot of you in the military know what this feels like. But we were, we were a 10 hour drive away from my family. And we were a young married couple and I was lonely, no kids. And one day, a television station in Monroe, Louisiana, 30 minutes from my mom and dad's house, an NBC station in Monroe, Louisiana called me. Brady, we've been watching you. We've been following your career. I have an opening here in senior management that we want you for. I'm, listen, I'm 28. And he offered me more money than I'd, I'd ever thought of ever making. He, he spelled it out for me. And back then you didn't have speaker phones. So we had to like both listen to the receiver from the, the, a phone that had a cord on it. We're in, we're in our kitchen. And I, I got the phone turned like this. Pam's listening, I'm listening. He's, he's telling me all the details of the offer they're making me. It, it, was, it was north of $100,000. And this was a long time ago. That was a lot of money for me. We'll pay for your moving expenses. We'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this. I'm going, thank the chariot ride had shown up. We were going back to our home state of Louisiana. We're gonna come back as conquering heroes, making more money than either one of my parents were making. Of course it's God, right? I said to him, he, he was a believer. I'm a believer. I said, you know, I'm a believer. I need to take at least one night to pray about this. I'll let you know in the morning. All right, Brady, can't wait to have you. Hung up the phone, I high five him, pow, yes. Why, am I, why are we even praying about this? Come on. I gotta pray about it though. Now what I'm about to tell you is exactly the way it happened. Sometimes I don't let facts stand in the way of a good story, but <laughs> what I'm about to tell you today is the absolute truth, okay? No embellishment. I, get, I go outside the house in Amarillo, Texas. I take one step off the front porch like this and the Lord said, no. Now, I don't know if you've ever had God yell at you but he was getting my attention. He goes, no, don't go. Now listen very carefully, because some of you really need to hear this. In a calmer voice, he said to me, Brady, if you go back to Louisiana, I will bless you. This is not about blessing and cursing. In fact, most of the time when God asks you to do something, it's not about blessing and cursing. It's about blessing and better blessing most of the time. What are you willing to settle for? He said, Brady, you go back to Louisiana, I will bless you. I know you love me, I love you. You're gonna follow me all the days of your life, I know that, I'll bless you. He said, but Brady, if you will wait for me, the better blessing is here in Amarillo. So now, I gotta go back in and tell my wife. So I walk back in like this. I mean, I've been gone like three minutes. 
And I said, Pam, we can't go. She goes, what? Now I got God yelling at me and Pam yelling at me. And by the way, their voices sound the same. They're very similar. <laughs> I said, Pam, the Lord has just made it so clear to me that there is a better blessing here. Now Pam's very godly. She's so, so the sweetest person I know. She said, Brady, I'll pray too. And the next morning we both woke up and we both really had a lot of confirmation that the better blessing was to stay steady in Amarillo. So I had to call the guy and say, we can't take the job. He was so disappointed. He was, he was actually a little aggravated at me. I said, sir, I'm just so sorry. I wish I could give you a better reason. We just prayed about it and we just can't. And I'm so sorry. Now I wish I could tell you that like the next day a big miracle happened. It was months went by, months went by with no answer from the Lord about what the better blessing was. I had no idea. Month after month after month after month passed. Nothing, silence from God. One afternoon, I, I'll never forget where I was. I was at work and my phone rang and this sweet pastor, Pastor John, Pastor John Love, I, can, I just saw him a few weeks ago. 78 years old or so, a just godly guy. Pastor John Love called me, he goes, Pastor Brady, he goes, I've got a, a woman here in my office. She's six months pregnant. This afternoon, she was mowing her yard with a push mower. These are Texas women now, okay? So you understand this. She's six months pregnant, push mowing her yard. <coughs> and she said, the Lord spoke to her that the baby that she's carrying belongs to you and Pam. Would you pray about that? I went, yeah, we'll pray about it. We'll take it. <laughs> we met the next day. We went down, got a sonogram. And there was a little baby boy right there in her womb. That baby boy is 24 years old now. Just graduated college, got a real job, got a cat. <laughs> He's grown up. Two years later, a little 19 year old single mom in Amarillo walked up to me and Pam and said, I'm nine months pregnant. I think this baby belongs to you. And three weeks later, she gave birth to a redheaded girl with blue eyes. She graduates college next Friday, magna cum laude. She has a cat. <laughs> She's out of my house. Listen, New Life Church, I've come today to remind you that it doesn't always work out the way you want. But if some of you in the room today need to be willing to wait. Quit being mad at God. Lay the anger down, the disappointment, lay it aside. Are you the one who is to come or should I look for another? John the Baptist knew better than to ask that question. The one to come was all the world ever needed. He just didn't look the way John the Baptist thought he should look. Maybe you're looking for a Jesus that doesn't exist. 
Maybe you should fall in love with the one that does exist. The one that died for you, the one that was resurrected for you, the one that is right now seated at the right hand of the Father praying for you. That's the one I love. Not the one that I've made up in my mind. I'm worshiping the Jesus that actually lives. And he might disappoint me again in my life, but he has been too good and too faithful for me to ever doubt him ever again. Would you stand up with me this morning? I know I went a little long with that story. But I've asked John to sing this song. And the song says, take courage, my soul. Listen, you know, it takes courage to wait. It takes faith to wait. But it also takes courage to wait. So I want you to pray this song as a prayer over your life. And in just a few minutes, Pastor Tim's gonna come and lead us to the table of the Lord. Let's sing this together.